This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, let's preview a monster Illinois football game against Purdue, 11 a.m. kickoff at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. We'll have Joey Wagner to talk some Illini side of things and Tom Deanhart from goldenblack.com, part of the On3 network. He'll join us uh, to break down Purdue here in a few minutes. But this is a huge game for two programs who have not won a Big Ten West title. If either of them want to win a Big Ten West title, This is going to go a long way. Purdue has lost back-to-back games. They need help to win a Big Ten West title. But if they beat Illinois, they have Indiana and Northwestern left on the schedule. And if they get to 6-3 and and you get Wisconsin or Iowa to to lose a game, then Purdue has a decent shot, pretty good shot, of winning the Big Ten West. They'll definitely be uh, atop the mix. If Illinois wins this game, they have a stranglehold over the Big Ten West because they will have beaten every other contender in the Big Ten West with that head-to-head tiebreaker. So that'd be really important for Illinois. Now, if they lost to both Michigan and Northwestern, um, they would be in trouble and you could get a bunch of crazy scenarios involved. But if Illinois wins on Saturday, you feel confident that they can beat Northwestern. You still got to do it. Uh, but Illinois would take a long step toward winning a Big Ten West title. Illinois hasn't beaten Purdue, though, in a while. So let's break down this matchup, shall we? Joey Wagner will break down the latest on Illinois football, what we think of this matchup from their side. But let's get the lowdown, some intel on Purdue. Tom Deanhart covers Purdue Boilermakers for the On3 Network as part of goldandblack.com. He'll join us next right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, let's get to know a little bit more about the Purdue Boilermakers from a guy who knows the team really well, covered the Big Ten for a really long time. One of my favorites in the Big Ten, Tom Deanhart. Appreciate your time, Tom. How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent, and um, yeah, looking forward to another cannon battle. I've seen a lot of these over the years, Jeremy. Of course, Purdue has had Illinois' number, but boy, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe the Illini can flip that script on Saturday. Yeah, 13 of 17 they've won, Tom. And I always talk about these programs like they're sister schools, right? Yep. Like There's so much similarities between both of them. They're kind of basketball schools, right? That, hey, football is just competitive. Here you go, Tom. Huge November game in Champaign with Big Ten West title implications. Illinois can go a lot further than Purdue in in winning the Big Ten West this weekend. But still, uh, Purdue, after back-to-back losses, if they win this one, they kind of control their own destiny for the most part. Yeah, they're going to need some help. Uh, they, they sort of blew their ability to control their destiny last week, Jeremy. They got sat on by Iowa. Yeah. Over here at Ross State Stadium, 24-3. to um, Just uh, an evisceration, no other way to put it. <laughs> Men among boys that day in a strong wind. So, yeah, now they need help. But, of course, goal number one for Purdue is they got to beat Illinois, right? That, that's where it begins. And, and then, of course, you know, I, I don't want to get bogged down in all the scenarios, but Wisconsin and Iowa obviously are still involved too, along with Illinois and Purdue. So, if Purdue wins, um, it certainly would give them a, a decent shot. Maybe that they still would need help right. with losses by Illinois, and of course, the, the winner of the Wisconsin Iowa game would need to lose too. So, they've still got something to play for. Is a real long-winded way to put it. Still, Illinois and Purdue, who have never won the West, are in the mix to win the West. So, and it's, and it's November. That's right. That's right. Um, so Purdue starts the year off really well for the most part, especially during conference play. But what has changed the last two weeks going up against the two teams we thought would win the West, Wisconsin and Iowa? I think I think that's a good that's a good reason why it's kind of gone off the rails for Purdue, Jeremy, who they've played. Yeah. The two best teams in the West, probably, right? I know the issues for Wisconsin and Iowa have been well documented. We all know the punching, the punchline Iowa had become offensively, and the issues Wisconsin had with the coaching change, too. But as you know, uh, they sort of seem to have things on track now, right? They're hitting their stride in November. So I think that was part of Purdue's issues, playing quality opponents. And if you look, if they look in the mirror, Purdue does, Jeremy, defensively, the secondary. It's, it's melting down. There's no other way to put it. They're really struggling to stop big pass plays. I think there's a confidence issue, a crisis of confidence, if you will. Blown coverages, miscommunication, poor tackling. Uh, and then offensively, Aiden O'Connell. No big secret, right? Purdue's going to go as far and do as well 
if Aiden O'Connell's playing well, and he's not played well the last two weeks, a combined five interceptions, three at Wisconsin. And again, the conditions weren't great last week. You know that. It was the same in Champaign as it was in West Lafayette. Uh, Purdue still tried to throw it 43 times. But long story short, he struggled once again. So secondary, quarterback, tougher schedule, those three things that really caused Purdue to fall back to the pack and be 5-4 and four right now. Aiden O'Connell, you're right. They go as he goes. Right, like yeah. when he's good, they feel like they can almost beat anybody uh, without without he can throw the ball around with Charlie Jones there, but he hasn't been as efficient. What what has been what has been the difference for Aiden O'Connell? What what happens when he's struggling? I think sometimes he he works too quickly. If you listen to Jeff Braun, maybe he doesn't let receivers fully run their routes, and um, he he struggles to buy time. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. That's no big no big revelation either. And I'll tell you what. Uh, there, there is no yin to Charlie Jones Yang. There is no number two wide receiver. That that person, that somebody has never developed, Jeremy. And it's been a big issue. Everybody knows number 15, Charlie Jones, is the favorite son that he's going to get all the looks and all the targets. You know, they watch film and, and um, he still makes his catches, but there's no big plays. And Purdue's offense, like any offense, is built on getting chunk plays and they haven't been there. And their inability to stretch the defense has been an issue, and that, that gets back to the receiving core. Uh, Brock Thompson may be back Saturday, Jeremy. He was the MVP at Purdue's win against Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. And if they get him back, maybe he helps that receiving core. But otherwise, guys like T.J. Sheffield, Mershon Rice, Dion Burks, Abdul Rahman, you've seen they've not stepped up. It's been Charlie Jones first, second, and third options. Look at the targets, third in the nation. And they also need more consistency from Payne Durham, their tight end. Yeah. So uh, I think the inconsistency of the receiving position has also maybe held Aiden back a little bit. Charlie Jones is really good. Uh, they've they've unlocked something there that, that Iowa was certainly unable to do. But Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois corner, has, has shut Trey Palmer down, shut Keon Coleman down. The difference with Michigan State time was they had another guy in Jaden Reed, like two great receivers. That's why I'm interested to see you know how Charlie can do against Devin Witherspoon, who might be an All-American. Um, might be a day two draft pick, maybe even higher than that. Um, so what, what do you think about Charlie Jones? Tell me the story of Charlie Jones and Purdue so far this season. Yeah, it's uh, where would Purdue be without Charlie Jones, Jeremy? I've thought about that. I'm sure fans have too. My goodness. If you go back, the number one receiver was supposed to be a guy named Milton Wright, yeah. who flunked out of school even last December, didn't play in the bowl game, never got eligible in the spring. So his absence hurt. Talked about Brock Thompson's injury, not having him, or only, only, only having it for two games this year. And, yeah, Charlie's been a revelation. This offense would be lost without him. I do think he's very good, Jeremy. He, uh, I don't know, on a good team, though, I don't think he's your number one receiver. Um, a good second or third guy. He's legit fast. He's not very big. He's slight. He is tough. But the one thing, Jeremy, is he came to West Lafayette with lower body issues, and they persist. And he rarely, if ever, practices. They just try to get him from Saturday to Saturday. And that's not an ideal situation. So he's banged up. He's really not practicing either. But, again, he shows up and gives what he's got on Saturdays. He had, I think, 10 catches last Saturday, Jeremy. But I think he only averaged about 10 yards a catch. Again, no big plays. Purdue still doesn't run the ball that often, Tom. But when they run the ball this year, they seem to run it better. Right? The yards per carry is up. 
Um, Devin Maccabee has been a revelation as a walk-on. They seem to have some other solid backs. Um, do you think Jeff Brown will try to run the ball more? Because it seems like they're better at it this year. Yeah, I think he regrets not doing it last week, to be yeah. honest with you. He said, as, he said as much in his Monday press conference in those conditions. And the Purdue run game is probably one of the best Brahms had in his six years in West Lafayette. Um, he's just uh, – he's been a revelation like Charlie Jones, a redshirt freshman. He's a walk-on from Southern Indiana, Boonville. He, he's, he's, I keep rubbing my eyes and going, is this guy really legit? And he, I think he's legit. You know, you always wonder about walk-ons, don't you? But he's had three 100-yard rushing games. There's nothing remarkable, remarkable, Jeremy, about him physically. Right size his speed but man watch the film watch the cuts watch the elusiveness and he just he just makes plays makes defenders miss he's tough so uh he's somebody you can run the ball with and i think brahms should use him more that's not in brahms dna right. he's not a real patient guy he wants to throw it all the time and and kind of get antsy but you got to lean on this guy. He's probably the best back he's had and he, he does give purdue at least a legit option to run the ball. And Jeremy, this offensive line, they only play six guys. There's, If they have to play anybody beyond six, they are biting their fingernails. They're worried. But these six guys have stayed healthy, and you got to give them a little credit, too. They've really, really come together and been a solid group for Purdue. You mentioned defensively the, the back half has really struggled, especially the secondary, but this feels like a pretty decent defensive line. Um, you know, Purdue isn't, you know, Carl Loftus was great, but outside of him, this hasn't been known as, as some great defensive line. This looks like a pretty solid group. What have you seen from them? Yeah, that's the strength of the defense, if not the team, to be honest with you, Jeremy. There is no George Carl Loftus, as you said. Uh, no superstar, but they've got they they get they play upwards of ten or eleven guys every week, and uh, that rotation of bodies allows them to stay fresh. As you su- would suspect, that helps you deep into the second halves, especially against these physical teams like Illinois. So, again, a solid group. Like I said, uh, a legit eight to, to twelve guys that they'll play, and uh, and and for the most part, you know they've held up pretty well, Jeremy. But the last three games, as this competition's gotten better. You know, it's it's been more of a struggle. We've seen some big runs. They weren't giving up big runs at all. Iowa had a 75-yarder last week for a touchdown. And uh, we're seeing them not fit their gaps, as coaches like to say. And uh, so, again, they, they, they've had taken a little step back of late. And, and Jeremy, here comes Illinois. Yep. Here comes Chase Brown. So this will be yet another test for that defensive line. What has gone so wrong for the secondary and the back seven there? I think – um. Injury's been an issue. They, they, they lost a guy who was a starter, a safety named Chris Jefferson, left about a month ago with to take care of mental health issues. And I think that was a, a blow. He was a solid player they could count on. And he is not expected to come back at all this year. So I think that's part of it. There have been some injuries, too. There are two cornerbacks. Actually, all three cornerbacks have missed some time with injury this year. The best D-back is, is one of their corners, number 23, Corey Trice. Watch him. I think he may be a pro, about a 6'3", 210-pound cornerback. Uh, so, uh, again, he's been solid. And in the safety play, honestly, Jeremy, I talked about the absence of Chris Jefferson with mental health issues. The other two safeties, Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen and Bryce Hampton, are just guys. We actually saw Cam Allen not get to start last week for the first broke, broke a string of 21 consecutive starts because his play was so poor. Hmm. So again, I think there's like those guys are struggling to tackle. I just think some of it's really just a talent issue, to be honest with you. Yep. 
And, uh, and, and again, then, then you give up the big plays, your confidence gets shaken, then you get in this vicious cycle. So at this point, I know, I know Tommy DeVito is not Dan Marino, Jeremy, but Illinois has got to be watching this film and going, we got it. We got to take some yeah. shots against this secondary. Yeah. Um, special teams has been a big issue for Illinois. How is Purdue special teams wise? Just solid. Nothing spectacular. The kicker. He's, he's, he's likely to miss a 25-yard field goal, but he's also able to hit a game winner. So sometimes you kind of worry about his consistency. He's not, he doesn't have a big leg. He's not a 50-yard guy. And uh, the punter is just solid. There may be a, they may have to use their backup punter this week. They're the number one guy has got some tendonitis issues. Again, the punter is just okay. The return game, Jeremy, that one, of course, was Charlie Jones' strength. He was the Big Ten return man of the year last year at Iowa. I think his heavy use at Purdue has sort of precluded him to really be a factor in the return game. So, again, the return games are just largely average or a non-factor. The coverage has been solid. So, again, just uh, this sort of held serve, if you will, in special teams, I guess. Illinois would take that at this point. Um, all right. They're not, they're, not, they're not losing games for them. Yeah. Uh, 4-0 and Illinois against Big Ten West opponents, 0-2 against Big Ten East. in huh. uh, Purdue – um, you know, just lost to Iowa and Wisconsin. Illinois kind of built itself similarly. So, yeah. what do you think of this matchup, Tom? Like, who who has the advantage here? Not a good matchup. You know, Purdue's never known as a physical team, Jeremy. Yeah. You you've been around in these parts a long time. Illinois, the Big Ten. You know what Purdue usually is offensively. They're not not a punchy in the nose team. They practice against that kind of offense too. So you always kind of wonder what type of an edge your defense has. Are they really tough? Can they really be physical against those teams? And most of the time, you know, Purdue can't match up. So I'll be honest, it's not a good matchup for Purdue. As much as I like the Purdue D-line, like I said, Wisconsin and Iowa sort of had their way. I mean, the freshman running back at Iowa had 200 yards last week. Braylon Allen had over 100 yards too. Last year, Jeremy, your freshman running back, Josh McCray, had about 150 yards. Chase Brown didn't even play. Mm So long story short, no, I don't think it's a good matchup from a Purdue defense to an Illinois offense standpoint. Now, if you flip it around, I'm not sure if Illinois has seen an offense or a quarterback like O'Connell. I know O'Connell struggled. I talked about that. But still, we all know he's dangerous, right? Yep. We all know there's potential. So uh, that that's a matchup Purdue's got to take advantage of, Jeremy. Purdue's got to get a lead if they want to win. If they have to play from behind, and if Illinois is able to hold that ball and just pound you, pound you, pound you, and eat clock, it's going to look a lot like last week probably for Purdue when they lost 24-3. Yeah, I think they want to do what Michigan State did, get a lead, make Illinois catch up. That, that's They're not really built for that, even though Tommy DeVito did show uh, some good things there. Well, Tom, before I let you go, uh, these are two basketball schools, as they like to, to say. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Purdue? I mean, we know Zach Eady, but they lost so much. Um, but, you know, Matt Painter still thinks he's one of the best coaches in the Big Ten. It's just the offseason did not go as I, I think he probably hoped. Yeah, they were supposed to get the Nigel Pack kid from Kansas State, you know, an Indianapolis kid who they almost got out of high school. And we all know <laughs> unfolded there with uh, John Carlos Ruiz in, in Miami. So, you know, they're, they're always good up front, right? You talked about Edie. They love this Trey Kaufman Wren kid, the redshirt freshman. Caleb first from Fort Wayne. Uh, you know, they, they've got some good guys up front. But, Jeremy, for Purdue, it always comes back to the guard play. They're never elite in the backcourt. And they're probably going to have to start a true freshman point guard, a kid named Braden Smith. Now, 
everybody's excited about the kid, right? But you, you, I don't know if you're going to be ready to play when you start locking horns with these Big Ten teams. How physical can he be? How strong is he? I don't know if he's ready to jump in the deep end just yet. They may have to throw him in the deep end, though. They tried like crazy to get a, a portal point guard, and they struck out on four or five guys. They ended up taking a kid from Utah named David Jenkins, who's not really a point guard. He's more of a two-guard. So my point is, Purdue's going to be solid once again. Probably about a fifth-place Big Ten team. I think they will make the big dance as maybe a seven to a nine seed. But I think when push comes to shove, when you're playing these good teams, can 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 produce guards step up. And when the shot clock's winding down, Jeremy, who can get their own shot for Purdue? Somebody's got to get the ball to Zach Eady. It's all about the guards. And again, going back to Gene Cady, I, I don't want to make this a diatribe. Going back to Gene Cady, they never have top shelf point guard play. Tom Deanhart, uh, Purdue, uh, goldenblack.com, part of the On3 network. Tom Deanhart, appreciate you as always, my man. Hey, I'll see you Saturday, buddy. I always appreciate all you do, Jeremy. And I love coming to Champaign-Urbana. I've been there a million times. And I, I agree with you. These are like sister cities <laughs> and right. sister schools in so many ways. Appreciate you, Tom. Take care, buddy. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, let's talk some Illinois side of this Illinois-Purdue matchup. A huge one. It's Joey Wagner. What's up, Wags? Does anybody call you Wags? No, but it'd be cool if they did. <laughs> you actually like it? Sometimes I'll call you like Joe, Joseph, every once in a while. Just... You don't watch Billions. Uh, no. Hopefully, at least one other person listening to this watches Billions. Uh, guy goes by Wags. I can't think of his name in real life, but he was Gale in Breaking Bad. Oh, okay, yeah. No, Gale. David Constable. David Constable is his name. Yeah, good actor. He goes by, he goes by Wags in Billions. And I always thought, man, that's a cool nickname. Well, Joey Wags really does have some like some mob, you know, kind of connotations oh, to it. 
That'd be an honor. <laughs> Joey Wags. <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, what's up, Joey Wags? What's up? Anything Busy new? week, man. Basketball snuck up on us fast. Sure did. Warner, and you're, fly, you're flying to Vegas in like a week. I know. It's nuts. Uh, this, is, this is nuts, man. Two top 25 programs. Who would have thought? Not us. Not us. Not us. All right. Illinois, six and a half point favorites. 44 and a half over under. The weather, 36 degrees. Hard to imagine because we're recording this Thursday. And it's like 70 and sunny. Uh, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. Uh, I'm done predicting whether the weather will help one team and not the other, but that would seem to fit with the team that doesn't pass as much or rely totally almost on the pass. But there's a huge matchup, Joey. We'll dive into it, the Illinois side of things. But I, I shared my thoughts on the Lunny extension. I would imagine uh, Ryan Walters and Brett Bielma uh, extensions would be in the works here at some point. It sounds like they are. But your thoughts on Barry Lunny getting an extra year and a uh, six-figure raise? Yeah, it's a no-brainer, right? Like, I, Look, I get it. I get the red zone right now. It's kind of the, the hot topic, and it should be. It's It's falling short in that area but there's no doubt like i don't know that anybody can look at this team i test stat test and say this offense isn't better with barry lunny and this is what you do like this is what good programs do with good coordinators is you're proactive you keep them around it looks better when you're going to talk to recruits it's deserved i mean this is a deserved raise i think for barry lunny i just i don't really think there was another option you've got to program that's top 25 that's getting attention that could win the freaking west you keep those guys like that's just what it is and i think it's weird jeremy because like i think a lot of people who who consume the news were like yeah duh but i it's like the timing of it is unfortunate in the sense that like the red zone issues are stalling and that's where some people choose to focus but i this there's really no other choice it's the right choice and he's earned it dude he has made this offense better and he's made it more attractive in the recruiting pitch too and all of that goes together yeah i think anybody who thinks you know barry Lonnie's not good at this job all right you can think that i'm not not gonna tell you but i, I just disagree with you wholeheartedly i think he's good uh he's getting paid like a middle of the pack offense coordinator in the big 10 now he wasn't at the beginning of the season now he is because illinois offense is middle of the pack big 10 offense and you know what they're doing with barry Lonnie? what they didn't do last year they're winning Right? Like they're, they're winning football games because their offense is taking step forwards to go along with a defense that is top-notch under Ryan Walters. And Ryan Walters is paid like a top-notch Big Ten defensive coordinator. So I think this is the going right. I think it's smart by them to be proactive. I think it's smart to show that, yeah, this is our guy. We found it. It's anyone who, who's doubting it. But most importantly, it's about keeping stability. And I think Josh Whitman and his you know message, his statement – one of the biggest things he said is stability is key to us building on this, right? To, to getting towards a championship level. When we have good people, we need to keep them. And I agree that Barry Loney is one of those good people. Is he perfect this year? No, but he's been good. I love his concepts. Uh, they just need to find a way to put the ball in the end zone because that is their biggest issue. But moving the ball 20 to 20, I think some of the concepts he has in the red zone are good. They just need to find a way to execute better, whether that's different personnel packages, whether that's better coaching, you know, some of these things when they come into the red zone. But that's not going to mar the fact that this group has taken a huge step forward. And I think if they needed to, they could score more points if they wanted to to make some of these stats look better. But they haven't had to in most of these second-half games. So you don't let one loss, uh, one disappointment. But – 
he hasn't been perfect, but he's been a huge upgrade. Uh, and, and to keep him long term makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't have really much to add to that, other than yes, I do think this offense, Joey, does certainly help you sell to a Malik Elzey to the next quarterback. Look what he's done with Tommy DeVito. Like Tommy DeVito and Barry Lunny to me. I say hand in hand all the time. I put them together when I discuss this offense because, yes, Tommy DeVito has been great and has been a huge upgrade, but that goes along with an offense. He's performed better in this offense than Dino Babers' offense, right? So I think Barry Loney gets some of that credit too um, because the pairing of those two has been the key to all of this. Yeah, I I think if you were to go back on August 1st and say, hey, on – take the record out, right? Like just take the record out of it, which I think is obviously a huge part of this discussion. And you were to show people and say, Hey, these are what the offensive stats are going to be on November 10th. I guess it is now. What would you think? And people would say, keep that guy around. He's good at this. And and there's, yeah, you're right. He hasn't been perfect. Few coordinators on either side of the ball are right. Like there's always critical moments where those things come up, but, yeah, I mean, I just I think the big picture, Jeremy, and we talked a lot about how he was such an important figure in the Illinois football discussion and the big picture of it. I think a lot of that's been delivered, yeah. and it's I think you're going to see more of that come fruitful in the off season because I think the pitch at some of these key positions is much improved to where it was a year ago at this time. And it's, again, it's what you got to do, and I think he's earned it all the way through. One thing we got to talk about coming up with this game, Joey, is one thing Illinois hasn't had to deal with a lot this year outside of maybe Josh McCray and Ezekiel Holmes is the injury bug. Uh, but you had a couple key guys leave the game, uh, Taz Nicholson, Seth Coleman, and, again, Josh McCray. You just talked with Brett Bielma. What's the latest on those guys? Yeah, Taz Nicholson has been cleared. Uh, Brett Bielma said he was in concussion protocol. He's been cleared. He practiced. I would expect him to play on Saturday. That's big. Yep. That, that's a big one for Illinois to play opposite Devin Witherspoon. Seth Coleman has not yet been cleared. Uh, that doesn't sound to me. I mean, if you're not cleared on Thursday, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what his status is. Josh McCray's a game-time decision. Remember, he was out with that. It looked to us, Jeremy, like a knee injury. Uh, suffered in week zero. He came back and he fell awkwardly on a horse collar tackle down the sideline. We did not see him again, as I recall, in the yeah. game after that tackle. Uh, he's a game time decision, so we'll see. This is you feel for Josh McCray because it's been a really up and down, uh, frankly, more down than up season for him injury wise. So we'll see. We'll see what that looks like with him. But I think getting Taz Nicholson is back, and I guess we're back on injury watch pregame, Jeremy, to see who's dressed, who's not, and and Seth Coleman and and Terrell Jennings. Uh, I didn't Brett Bielma didn't give an update on him. I didn't frankly think to ask in the list of names that I rattled off. So. Don't know about him, but Taz Nicholson's a big one to have back opposite Witherspoon. Yeah, because you missed Taz later in that game. Um, you know, Jaden Reed took advantage of a young corner and Tyler Strain. To Tyler Strain's credit, came back, made a nice pass breakup. I don't think he gave up much after that, um, though Michigan State was a little more conservative. we got to remember, Josh McCray ran for 156 yards at Purdue last year. Uh, Chase Brown, I don't think, played at all in that game. Um, I'm gonna look back. Right. I'm gonna look back on that. Um, yeah, he didn't play at all in that game, and, and Josh McCray was awesome. Of course, Chase Brown is available uh, in this one. Seth Coleman is a significant guy if he cannot go, so that's gonna be the one I'm watching for more than even Josh McCray because Seth Coleman's been playing an All Big Ten first team guy this year, and if they don't have him, you know, you got to get pressure on Aiden O'Connell. And while Gabe Ackes is really good, Alec Bryant has shown flashes, Joey, of being really good there. 
But Purdue also can run the ball a little bit better than they have in previous years. And Seth Coleman's been very good uh, against the run here as well. So that could be a significant loss against a team that loves to throw the ball around. And then if, if Seth is out... There's not much depth behind those top two of Gabe Ackes and um, you know Alec Bryant, Shimon Cooper, Jared Beatty are the guys who have traveled. I would imagine they'd probably go more towards their inside linebackers being the overhang guy and some of those bare fronts. They, they might go more of that look. So uh, will be interesting. We haven't had to talk much about these injuries, which is part of the reason. They, they are 7-2 and two at this point. Yeah, I'm really curious what they do. Remember, Alec Bryant, or Kevin Kane told me this week, and we've known this as kind of a reminder this is the most he's played, and remember, yeah. it's not been a lot. Yeah, basically since his senior year of high school, it was COVID year at Virginia Tech. He sat out last year, uh, so he's still really raw in terms of in-game experience. We haven't seen a lot from Shaman Cooper, so you do wonder how they're going to handle that. I- I'm with you. I think that bare front, where you pull an inside linebacker down, I think Keith Randolph has shown the ability to slide out to the edge um, a little bit more at times in some different fronts. So if he's out, we don't know. Uh, if he is, that would, I, I think, you know, would we see more creativity, more different packages um, from Ryan Walters, from that defensive coaching staff to to make up for that? But Illinois has been, and I think pr- some of that probably goes to tank right. Some of that goes to just flat out luck. Uh, Illinois has been pretty healthy yeah. this year, Jeremy. Re- really healthy. A couple, you know, obviously McCray, Al- I'm sorry, Ezekiel Holmes. But man, they've been, this is as healthy a year as I remember from Illinois football and we've said since the beginning they need it because there's not a lot of depth yeah this is the healthiest they've been going into November or late November right then then I can remember all right some lingering stuff we've hit on this stuff but let, let's hit on it again because people are talking about it special teams is a lingering issue for this team uh Caleb Griffin's back he's a kicker again uh didn't get a chance last game because of the wind I don't think that'll be the case even though the wind could be a factor it's cold uh, but Hugh Robertson, Joey, you asked uh, this week, and I know he was asked again uh, on Monday, uh, is there anybody else? And the answer is no. Like, it, unless we're surprised, unless they're holding something back on us, and Fabrizio Pintone can also be a great backup punter, I, I think Hugh Robertson is the guy because the few things we saw during training camp were special teams, and Hugh Robertson was definitely the best guy. He's just got to be better in games. Yeah, this is what's tough when training camp is closed, right? We don't get to see that stuff. Frankly, we didn't know that Fabrizio Pantone was going to be uh, as serviceable a backup kicker as he was. But, yeah, I I, th- I think Brett Bielma has to say a lot of that with Hugh Robertson, too, in, in the same way that during training camp he wanted to make sure Art Sikowski knew that Art Sikowski was still in the mix. I mean, you can't if you go out there and say, we're screwed, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence in your punter. So I, I think that's just the answer, though, Jeremy. He's got to be better. We've seen games that he's been fine, right? And that's the thing. It's more of a a consistency battle with him than it is just not able to perform at this level of college football because I don't think that's the case. I think he can do it. It's just when it gets kind of off track a little bit or off the rails, it yeah. it gets really ugly. And, and Saturday was really ugly. And, and the Indiana loss – those hurt there wasn't as ugly as Saturday but those hurt I so I do think a little bit of it is magnified because the two losses you can look and say special teams was really and he was really bad. I mean, he was, he was bad in both of that's teams. right yeah but I I think you do like he was good in the Iowa game right and he's been good at times so you you hope you can get a bounce back and you hope this week you can 
kind of move there because I, I just don't know that there are very many other when you're when your head coach is asked if there's you know what other personnel do you have to go there and he's naming well the kicker could also punt that means no yeah. <laughs> I mean there are punters who who kick place kicking and punt but ain't often man yeah. and I think it's just got to be him the variance for a Hugh has been too big right like he has right, looked yeah. like a, a great Big Ten punter against Nebraska against Iowa, against Virginia. I thought he had some great moments. Then the Indiana game, Chattanooga, he averaged 31.4 yards per punt in that one, but it didn't matter because he was a blowout. And Michigan State, man, that was – I know the wind, but there was really only one that was impacted by wind, right? And and you see Bryce Barringer on the other side and what he can do. Um, You know, I'm not expecting Hugh Robertson to be that, but he's just got to be more consistent. Um, Red zone. Brett Bielma said, hey, why, why are you guys talking so much about the red zone? He knows this has been an issue all year. Um, and I thought Barry Lunny, he does this really well. Like, he owns it. He owns some things. But he also was honest in that they didn't execute some of their play calls, both in the red zone and the short yardage situations. You talked with uh, Bart Miller, the offensive line coach. The offensive line had its worst game of the season, in my opinion. Like, they lost the point of attack. Some of that, Simeon Barrow was really good. Jacob Slade was really good. Like, Michigan State's talented up front. But that was just a maybe it's just an outlier. But that was that was a surprise that that Illinois offensive line uh, struggled like it did. And then then you have Tommy DeVito throw a poor pass uh, on fourth and goal where the play was open. Um, you had some other opportunities uh, for running backs to make a cutback maybe and, and make a play. You got to execute better, whether that's the play call or the actual play call that's set up for success. The players got to execute it. Yeah, I don't know if it's more or less frustrating when it's not just the same thing every week, right? It'd be one thing if every week Barry Lonnie just called a bad play and time over. But it's, it's a combination of, of probably some calls that Barry's admitted that, some calls that he would like to have back, and just some calls that were well drawn up that weren't executed. I This game has a lot of potentials because, like, I mean, we've heard, right, Jeremy? We've heard this team, like, us against everybody. They wear a chip and not. Is it manufactured? Yes, in the same way that Brad Underwood manufactured a chip on his team's shoulder. And, and actually, maybe to be fair, not all of Illinois' chip is manufactured. They've been kind of a punching bag for a lot of those guys' career. But it just seems to me like the Vince McMahon strut into the postgame presser if they're successful in the red zone. I, and I'm sure, uh, because Brett Bielema likes to remind us of what we say and what we write, and that's fine, that's accountability, I'm sure it will be brought up if they do have success in the red zone. We would be doing, what, yeah. Yeah. We would not but, be doing our jobs if we did not bring up the red right, zone, yeah. right? And he understands 100%. that. But yes, if they have success, but that's why we write about it because like this is the biggest thing holding them back from being 9 and 9. That's right. The two things that we just talked about, Special right? teams and red but, zone. But yeah. frankly, with red zone, with more efficiency in the red zone, you could probably overcome some of those special teams moment, the goal line at Indiana, the goal line against Michigan State, he gets it. And that's not a knock on Brett Bielema. He likes to – and that's fine. I don't think you and I mind the accountability of what we say or what we write. Yeah. I know we don't. No. Uh, but, yeah, this game has, like, some potential to be a we-told-you-so game if, if they can do it. But they've got to prove that they can do it. And that's just what's been missing here, Jeremy. They've overcome it all but twice this year, which you, those two hold, are, are holding you back. Those are the two things that are – 
have been similar all year, even in wins. But in the losses, they are magnified, and your special teams and your red zone efficiency has been the two things holding this team back for sure. Uh, the other thing is is the running backs, tight ends. Uh, the offenses are, are clearly attacking that for Illinois, and they should. Uh, I think Illinois would say that's better than going deep with wide receivers or being able to run all over us. So uh, the running backs and tight ends in the passing game is certainly something they need to clear up. I think you and I both have confidence Ryan Walters will address that. Um, and mostly it's communication between the linebackers because on these screen passes, the tight ends are, they know that these guys get crossed up. When you cross, we talked about Nebraska with Jay Lehman. We saw it with Michigan State. When they cross, uh, there's pick plays, and, and they have to communicate on that. So I'm wondering uh, whether Purdue does attack that because Payne Durham's a good tight end. Uh, Maccabees is, is, is a good running back. Uh, so I'm interested to see how they get those guys involved in, in the passing game and, and how Illinois defends it because it has been really their one weakness um, outside of when they have their third or fourth corner in, right? Yeah, and – I'm with you. I think Ryan Walters has probably earned the benefit of the doubt to say we expect that to be cleaned up this week. On the other side, the Braun brothers are pretty darn good at this offense thing. And, like, you know that they're finding ways to exploit that. They should. If they've got Payne Durham, they're smart. They know. They see that. So that that is such an interesting, like, Charlie Jones and Devin Witherspoon are going to get all the attention, and they should because that is an awesome matchup. And it's awesome. I know I'm going off tap, but stay with. It's awesome in the sense that, like, we've seen a lot of teams just say, "No, we're not going towards Devin Witherspoon." We saw it last week. That's not going to be the case with Purdue. I am pretty confident in saying that Purdue is not going to stop targeting Charlie Jones. So that's what makes that more fun. So like that gets all the attention, but it is it is really interesting to see how the Brom brothers exploit this running back tight end, I guess, deficiency that we've seen Illinois' defense have, and also how Ryan Walters and his coaching staff go about trying to shore that up. Like, that's such a fun subplot in this game. That said, I don't expect them to change what they do. Like, I, I no. don't, like, you know, make adjustments with, hey, this is how we will defend if you see screen and all that. But I don't expect them to change what they do because what they do has been so dang successful, right? Like, you don't want to change who you are based on one little weak point. You just got to try and strengthen that weak point and, and keep it from killing you, right? Because an offense at some point is going to find an advantage. You just got to limit what that advantage is. That's right. And those have been leaky plays, especially in the last two weeks. It didn't bury them at Nebraska. And you could make an argument, a pretty real argument, that it wasn't the reason they lost to Michigan State. It was just something that Michigan State found and exploited. Well, I would rather have Jalen Berger catch the ball on a screen pass than Keon Coleman get something deep. Or, or you know, a Trey Palmer go off on me compared to, you know, the second tight end that, that Nebraska had. I'd much rather that. It's my guess that you are not alone in that line of thinking because you can do a lot more get to the football tackle for – you know, a, a gain. And some of those, Jimmy, like there were a couple bigger plays in the last few weeks, but some of those were seven, eight yards. I mean, you'll live with that yeah. if it means you're keeping someone out of the end zone. And we're talking about the linebackers. Like the defensive line has to be, they have to do a better job of understanding, whoa, they just let me bull by him. That's got to be difficult when you're a Calvin Avery or a Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph because you're like, oh, I'm going to get a sack here, going to blow up this play. But oh, the play's already behind me, right? Like that. that's where. Those are tough. Those are tough for defensive linemen, and coordinators are taking advantage of that. Let's talk more about this matchup, Joey. Um, Purdue's passing attack, it's dangerous, right? You look up and down Aiden O'Connell's game log, he's, he's averaging 300 passing yards a game. Nobody else in the Big Ten, not C.J. Stroud, is doing that. 
365 against Penn State, 424, three touchdowns at Syracuse, 360 and two touchdowns against Maryland, 391 and four touchdowns against Nebraska. Last two weeks, though, against similar teams, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, he has thrown one touchdown to five interceptions. Charlie Jones is an amazing wide receiver uh, compared to what was he, the fourth guy at Iowa last year? And, and now he's the number one receiving guy in the Big Ten, at least by the stats. But they go to him and go to him and go to him. They don't have what Michigan State had, which was two star receivers. They don't have the depth in their passing attack. They don't have the efficiency. Aiden O'Connell's pass efficiency has gone about 30 points down this season. Again, he's thrown 10 interceptions. For how much he throws the ball, that's not a ridiculous amount. But the last two weeks, he's thrown five interceptions against good defenses in Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, So this is a really dangerous passing attack, right? But I think Michigan State had more answers. Purdue seems to have one connection that's working for them. And I would say Payne Durham is pretty solid, too, tight end. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and it turns out the big answer that Purdue has, Illinois really believes in its answer across the field in Devin Witherspoon. And I think they'll take a matchup where I think that staff believes so highly of Devin Witherspoon, they'll take him in any matchup. Now, Charlie Jones is going to get his. What does that look like? I don't know. Is it five catches for 50 yards? Could be, right? I mean, he's a good player. He's a really good player. But I think. Illinois will basically say, beat us without Charlie Jones. And I can Purdue do that? Probably. Will Purdue do that? I don't know. I think you're going to see, I think, as we talked about, Taz Nicholson back is a big deal. Payne Durham is a guy, though, because we've seen tight ends, as we've talked about, have some success. We saw it against Iowa, where um, Sam Laporta had big first half. Big first half. They adjusted. They shut that down. So could this be more Matthew Bailey? Well, might we, especially as you look at potentially not being with Seth Coleman, could you see more of that? I don't know. I think having Matthew Bailey helps. Sydney Brown right? helps. Sydney Brown's the right. guy painter, man. Right, but I think like a dime package where we've seen Matthew Bailey against a team that's, especially if they're coming from behind at any point, yep. that's certainly not going to be bashful about throwing the ball. So I think I think Durham is an interesting is a really really interesting matchup here. Illinois because I think Devin Witherspoon has earned the benefit of the doubt to say he's going to be just fine to hold his own against Charlie Jones. Again, I don't know what that looks like, but I don't think it looks like pain and a loss for Illinois. Here's the thing about Purdue. Um, you know, I, I can't blame Brom for, for going heavy with O'Connell and, and Charlie Jones, right? That's one of the most dynamic pairings in the Big Ten. They're running the ball way better this year, yet he's running it the same amount. Like they're both 38%. They ran the ball last year, 39% this year. That said, they're averaging 3.8 yards per carry. That's more than one yard more than they had last year. Devin Mockaby, it kind of looks awkward when he runs. This is a walk on, redshirt freshman, six foot, 195. He looks bigger than that, but he kind of like runs like all elbows and knees. Uh, but he's been darn effective. Uh, I think he's got, what? four out of the last six games he's run for 100 yards he didn't against iowa didn't um last week because they barely ran the ball they got behind early in that one but you got to stop the run here too because this is a purdue team that can run the ball a little bit more effectively and michigan state did have some success at times uh on the ground so while o'connell is and charlie jones are still number one this purdue team if they want to has been able to run the ball uh, against some big 10 teams 
hasn't been as good the last couple of weeks, but they haven't just run the ball as much because they've gotten behind. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, it sounds elementary to say stop the run, but if you can stop the run or slow the run, whatever that looks like, and get up 7, 10 points, that's when I think you could play into your strength. Illinois believes in their secondary. Yeah. They should. And it, so I think, but it starts with been great with a lead. This team has been great with a lead. Yeah. And Purdue is going to, again, Purdue's not afraid to get one dimensional when they're trying to come from behind and throw the ball. Uh, So I think Illinois put on to the fact that Purdue's probably going to try to run a a little bit because it's going to be cold. It's probably going to have some wind gusts. And and you want to try to do that to not have to be forced to throw the ball. But yeah, man, they, it's funny. I, do you remember watching back with the Penn State that Purdue played in that first week? And it got down late, and I think they were in a pretty good position to maybe get close to a win. It's like, hey, if Jeff Brown runs the ball, they um they might be able to sneak out of this thing with the win. They didn't do it. It's not his DNA, man. It's not what he does. That's, but that's I think it's interesting because I mean, but Penn State's also got a pretty good got yeah. pretty good players in the secondary. I just this is such a big Devin Witherspoon week. I know they can run. This is a Devin. I'm giving away my pick to click. I don't care. <laughs> well, here you go. I mean, Devin Witherspoon, um, you know, we found out the stat this week, but the last three weeks, I mean, Trey Palmer, one catch, one yard. He didn't even give up that yard. Uh, Keon that Coleman, yard. That yard. <laughs> Keon Coleman, two catches, 26 yards. And, and he didn't give up either of those catches. He didn't give up a catch against Michigan he State. He didn't get targeted. They didn't throw it here. They didn't throw it to him once. Didn't throw it at him. Charlie Jones now, right? Well, I'm not even saying what he did against Virginia. Like, we right. forget about the receivers that played there. This is this is the last couple of weeks. Devin Witherspoon stock that was already high, skyrocketing, skyrocket. And this is another chance to do that against the guy that I think is going to be on an NFL team next year. Like Charlie Jones is going to be a returner and a slot guy somewhere, right? Like his his college stuff is is. Better than Hunter Renfro is probably at that point. Like, you know what I mean? Like similar players. Um, he's going to have a chance to, to show himself yet again as a, as a day one or a day two pick. And he's been up for every challenge so far. So you got to love that matchup for Illinois. Might give up one, right? Might give up one or two, but it's been a while since we've seen it. What was it, the last three weeks or four weeks that we figured yeah, out? What was what was the game? There was one. Uh, Indiana, he, he didn't have a great game. Yeah. He didn't have That's a great game against Indiana, but here, here's the here's the stat. Last six games for Devin Witherspoon, 20 targets. So he only gets targeted like three or four times a game. He's allowed just five receptions for 19 yards the last six games. That's what I think that's maybe what gets me so excited about this. Because if I looked at PFF earlier, Charlie Jones has been targeted, I think, 115 times, which is like third most in the country. That is the like that is their option, right? Like this isn't going to be a case like we always for the last week, two weeks we've been excited like oh that's going to be a fun matchup. It really hasn't been because they haven't really targeted him all that yeah. much. He is going to get targeted. Like that is what's going to be fun. Is like that that's going to come to fruition. There's no way that matchup doesn't come to fruition in some capacity. I think that's it's just fun to if you if you like watching receivers and defensive backs go and yeah. talk. This is going to be that chance. Can we ask ESPN2, can we zoom out the camera a little bit this time? Like, we're always in the box. Like, give us the all 22 of this. Maybe not Kendall Smith 20 yards back. You can zoom in a little bit more than that. But let's show Charlie Jones and Devin Witherspoon on the screen. Because I agree with you, Joe. I don't think they can go away from him. If they do, advantage Illinois. 
right? Because Taz Nicholson, Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, those guys are all still really good. Kendall Smith on the back half. I would imagine Kendall Smith is looking more at Charlie Jones' side this week. But, um, yeah, let's let's show that side of the field because I think they're going to test Devin Witherspoon when other teams don't want to do it. You know what else has struck me? It's like sometimes there's gamesmanship. Like even when Trey Palmer is like, yeah, it'll be Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin. And some of that's because of where Trey Palmer lined up. Nah, man, not this week. Ryan Walters came out and said, I I bet number 31 is going to be on him. And this isn't one of those where you're trying to say, oh, maybe we'll throw multiple guys. That hasn't been the MO coming out of the Smith Center. This has been, this is your assignment, Devin Witherspoon. Go guard him. Let's see how it plays out. But I do think Charlie Jones is going to get some, right? It'd be foolish to think he wouldn't. I don't know. De- uh, Devin surprised me the last couple of weeks. I'd so say I that know. might not age well. Hell, I don't know. I mean, I thought Trey Palmer would have a decent, like, I thought he'd have like four catches for 50 yards, and that yeah. didn't even happen. All right. Purdue, their D line is a strength. Like, their D line's been pretty good. They lost Carl Loftus, who's been great in the NFL. Uh, not a surprise there. Um, so they, they have some guys up front, maybe not a huge NFL guy, but Dean in the middle has been really good. They got some some long, a long defensive end and then a short defensive end who's good at rushing the passer. But their secondary has been awful, awful. Their tackling has been bad. They're giving up big plays. So for me, Joey, Purdue has not had a lot of success against physical teams, though. Uh, so the defensive line's been better than I thought it would be this year. But Minnesota didn't have success, but they didn't have Ibrahim, right? Wisconsin had 178 rushing yards. Uh, Keegan Johnson of Iowa had a career day last week. 200 rushing yards in that game. Get Chase Brown to the second level and get Isaiah Williams the ball. Test those guys in the open field because they aren't tackling worth a crap right now. So get the ball to the second level, and I think you have a great chance to, to bust off some some big ones because Wisconsin and Iowa have done it, and, and those aren't explosive teams either. Yeah, I think this is – we talked about the offensive line in the red zone. It, you and I have covered Bart Miller for a year and a half now, almost two years. Those guys – I would assume he's challenged his offensive line this week to, to get out there and to play better. And that means – Do you think ahead. the term nut up has been mentioned this week with the offensive line group? I don't know because Bart told me he wasn't – it wasn't like for a lack of physicality that he thought against Michigan State, but I think you noticed it, and, and maybe it came up in the post game with Brett. I want to say that game, the strain, uh, just that extended strain, strain a little bit. I, I would bet that's probably come up. I don't know if, if uh, I don't know specifically what Bart Miller has has said to his guy, but. You, if you, I, if I think they've what, been, but I agree with you. I think they've been challenged. It's like, oh, we, this is what we're supposed to be. And while you've been good all year, you weren't good against Michigan State, and it really cost us a, a chance to win that game and to have this be the clincher. So I'm going to spoil my in the spotlight. Last week it was the offensive line, and they didn't live up to that. I'm going with the offensive line again. Like You set the tone. I don't think they set the tone last week. No, so what does pissed off Alex Palczewski and Isaiah Adams specifically look like? Because we know those two play kind of um... – it's not those guys I'm worried about. It's the other three. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interior wise, I think to your point with some of those, uh, the defensive front, it's going to be interesting about, man, I have to think Bart Miller is pushing those guys with a heavy challenge. Not that I don't think he challenges them yeah. uh, week in and week out, but if you can get Chase Brown to establish himself and like you said, Purdue is susceptible to maybe Tommy DeVito. I, I was encouraged 
with what we saw from Tommy DeVito in that last possession that ultimately ended in nothing against Michigan State. He threw the ball around. Not that we didn't think he could. Uh, but there's, there's something there. Like it, We've seen it a little bit, but there's something more brewing, I think, with him and Brian Hightower in terms of the connection on some of those deep balls. I think there's just more confidence gaining there week in and week out because that's been pretty fruitful for yeah. Illinois. Well, I mean, that that's the point. Is like If you can run on Purdue – then you can also throw on Purdue. Like, right, you right. can throw on Purdue no matter what. Um, if you can run as well, like that'd be huge for this team. I mean, Chase Brown, man, like the thing is he hasn't had a, a big one in a while, right? Like he, he's had a 20-yard gain, 18 last week, and then he fumbled. This feels like a week he could break a big one because Purdue's not very good in, in the open field. So get him to the second level. Get onto of their linebackers, and I think you have a chance. The other thing is, I mentioned it, Graham Mertz and Spencer Petrus, who haven't been fantastic. I mean, Mertz has been really good under Jim Leonard. But each of the last two weeks, efficient, 200 passing yards about each, two touchdowns, no picks. So this could be a very balanced. Like, I feel good about this offensive matchup if your offensive line plays like it did during that six-game win streak. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Yeah, Graham Mertz has been better. Uh, We're still throwing – if you can be in the conversation with Spencer Petrus – You've got to take that opportunity, right, as a quarterback. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, man, I think there's going to be opportunity there for Illinois to, to move the ball. I, I don't know that the weather conditions are going to do that. Sometimes I feel like that gets overblown. My God, these yeah. guys have played in the cold before. they played Illinois. Yeah. Nothing new to them. All right. You ready for your pick to click, or are you going offensive? Can we, can we recap last week when you lost? Okay. Recap. <laughs> you had Josh McCray offensively, if I recall. Yeah, it did not work out. I think I would. I had Chase Brown, but I think I needed him to have 150, and it ended up being like 130. So, so we both lost. Yes. The 136 yard or 140 yard rusher that I had lost. He fumbled twice. He did. That's fair. Uh, I don't remember who we had defensively. Well, you had Spoon, right? I did. So I win. Uh, who did I? Who did I take last week? Dev Seth it, Coleman. Uh, I didn't, see, I don't even remember these things. Yeah, I don't either. You may have had one of the fronts. That sounds right, doesn't it? I can't even remember. Anyway, yeah, go take take the win if you want to take the win. You know, finally. <laughs> Who are you taking offense? Or can I go first offense, you go first defense? You go first offense. Uh, Isaiah Williams. Um, I, I, I just think he's been so good the last couple weeks. Again, a team that struggles to tackle, get him the ball. My biggest issue, maybe with Barry Hill last week, was – get him more touches. Uh, Isaiah Williams had five touches for 98 yards, whatever it was. I thought they could have fed him even more, especially when your running game was struggling a little bit. I thought you could have got him going first down, give it to Isaiah Williams, get a few yards. Um, So I I think he's got a 100-yard game potentially uh, in him. But he's just been really good here recently, and maybe it's gone a little bit under the radar. Uh, But uh, Isaiah Williams is my guy. Can I pick a room? Yeah. Can I pick the tight end room? Sure. Yeah. What does that look like? I think if they get, I don't want to say two. That's a lot. Two touchdowns a lot. 50 plus yards. I'll I'll put you in the realm of winning. 50 plus yards and a touchdown. Because I think that they could be red zone alternatives. They should. I will take the tight end room for 50 plus yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I mentioned this with with Jay. uh, and We did our film room, which which I made free. So go back and watch that. I, I think the one adjustment Barry can use is, I think sometimes he force feeds, force feeds Chase when their strength has not been on the interior of the offensive line. 
right? Like, especially, you know, Pilstrom, Chrysler have struggled at times in those short yarded situations. Um, I think sometimes they force feed chase when the defense knows they're trying to go to him. Some of that might have been, I don't know, I don't want to put this on the coaches. Are they trying to get chase touchdowns for a Heisman vote, right? Or a Dirk Walker vote? Um, use chase as a decoy. You know, sometimes you want to get him the ball, but sometimes the best success they had last week in the, in the red zone was when they got it to Isaiah Williams and teams were crashing on Chase. They got it to, uh, uh, they had that great formation where Chase is behind three tight ends and they faked to Chase, go to Tip Ryman for an easy touchdown for Tommy DeVito. So, or easy two point conversion, excuse me. So that stuff's been working. So I, I think that's the attention, the eyes. I'll go to Chase. That gives you that split second to get it to somebody else. I really like that formation because we've seen that. Like, that wasn't the first time we've seen the formation. That just usually is like a jumbo package type screen, right? Like, it does usually go to Chase. Or a Tommy like DeVito that, run, yeah. Yeah, I really like that they leaked Ryman out uh, wide, 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 wide open in the back of the end zone. I think – I feel good about this. I feel pretty good. Okay. What's your – I think 100 yards for Isaiah Williams, right? Yeah. Gets it. I mean, yeah. two touchdowns last week. He's another red zone guy. Like, I know he's That's smallish, right, but he's been really good in the red zone. Jets, uh, the shovel, the shovel, more yeah. shovels. Shovel passes seem to work it's for gonna, him. It's coming into snow. We got to get the shovel. That's right. Uh, oh who's your God. defensive pick to click? Why Why would I go away from something that worked? Go for it. Devin Witherspoon again. Another week, another test, another chance to raise that draft stock a little bit more. I don't know how much more. I think to me that's like three catches and 50 yards right like it yeah is, is that fair yeah no absolutely um i'm th- they need to get a pass rush and and i feel like johnny newton's cheating uh he's just so dang good at this he is in chase brown mode right now isn't he's he? starting to get to him, him him and devin witherspoon are starting to get that but i'll give you devin uh for another week given the test that the, he has you could take johnny for another week if i get devin you could no. take johnny this no. could be the last week of it i i don't care about the tallying points i just want to mention this guy because i think he's gonna be huge if seth coleman's out gay back has to be awesome gay back has to be great um you know alec bryant will certainly pay uh play a role into that but this is this is the time of year where you hear coaches say he's not a freshman anymore, even though he is a freshman. But this is the time where you hope that experience pays off. He's good against the run. He gets pressure consistently. And maybe he can make one of those game-changing plays that Seth Coleman has made time after time. Gabe's had a few of them, too. But Seth has had a few more of them. Like, they're probably going to need that. Uh, and, and given that Hayden McConnell is going to throw the ball probably 40-plus times in this game, Gabe can't tire out. There's not a lot of depth behind you. It's a big game for, for the freshman All-American, likely. I like it. I like Now I feel like I've cheated taking Devin Witherspoon. No, you the, other part of, the other part of me really wants to take one of the safeties. I'm going to stay with Witherspoon, but Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, Matthew Bailey. It's a great time to add to their uh, interception total. Right, five interceptions the last couple of weeks. They're going to throw the ball forty plus times, most likely. Um, so it's it's a great time for them to add to that interception total. It is. I, I do. I know we're done with that part. I, I do want to ask, like, how much of the what ifery are you playing in this game? I know it's, it's a word. You just please look it up. It's a word. I like uh-huh. it. Like if they win last week, there's we talked about it. Like there are so many stories that could. Now again, everything's still in front of them. But for our job, we think stories. We think angles. Yeah, this they could have closed it this week, and, and like I, I'm so interested in the bounce back. Well, here you go. Um, 
maybe we haven't broken this down well enough. Illinois wins this game. I don't know what the number is going to be, but the likelihood of them winning the Big Ten West is going to be like 80-plus percent. And most likely with Northwestern on the schedule, 90-plus percent, right? Uh, because they have the tiebreakers over every Big Ten West team not named Northwestern and Northwestern's out of it. So even if there's a three-way tie, say Wisconsin wins out, right? You have the tiebreaker over Wisconsin at 6-3. and three. Um, If you lose this game, Joey, you're all of a sudden at 4-3 and three going into Michigan and you got Northwestern left, you still got to finish over 500, and you hope you get to 6-3 and three or 5-4, and four, but all of a sudden those tiebreakers all play into account, and Purdue has Indiana and Northwestern left, so they could get to 6-3. and three. Wisconsin's playing really good football. If they get to 6-3 and three and Purdue get to 6-3, and three, right? Like, Wisconsin wins the West. Like, so there's so many scenarios that are out here to play. You got to win this game. This is the most now important game of the year. For, for Illinois football because it gives you a two-game lead on everybody in the West with two games left to play. That, that's why this is so important because you have a two-game lead on Wisconsin because you got the tiebreaker. You got a two-game lead on Iowa because you got the tiebreaker. Minnesota, two-game lead because you got the tiebreaker. Minnesota's lost to too many of these other teams. Um, the Purdue loss really hurts them. Purdue's lost to Iowa and Wisconsin, so the tiebreakers really hurt them. Like Purdue's odds to win the West go up significantly, but Wisconsin's do just as much if they beat Iowa or Iowa beats Wisconsin. Like this gets fascinating if Illinois loses. If Illinois wins, it's pretty boring until the Northwestern game, right? And and you and I think Illinois should crush Northwestern. Yeah, it's. I I do think it would have been story wise fun for us to cover had they done it there. But yeah, man, you've. This was always the game, right? Like last week could have just made this a, a sexy story. This was always a game. You had to win, period. Like There, there was just... Because even if you, you beat Michigan State last week, you lose to Purdue and they win against Indiana and Northwestern, and you get to 6-3 and because you beat Northwestern, they win the division regardless. That's right. This was always going to be the game. It's just the timeline kind of circled. The timeline changed had they won last week. It's changed since they lost last week. But yeah, you can't, you can't lose to Purdue if you want to get to Indianapolis. And I, I do think Brett Bielema has done a good job of telling him. Like, he doesn't hide this stuff from his guys, I think. You can't, right? You can't. No, they know. I mean, like, Jeff Brom said, hey, we brought up the, the Big Ten West thing the last couple of weeks and we've lost. So, And they're in a different spot, right? They have to they have to win out to, to, to get there. Um, so he's got to focus on this one because you can't win the next two. Like, the next two don't matter if you don't win this one. Um, Brett Bielma knows it's being talked about, knows his guys know it's going happening, so he addresses it with his team. And it kind of helps control the narrative within their own building. Uh, but I, I don't think they were overlooking Michigan State, Joey. I just think they didn't play well. Yeah. It's, and people might disagree with that. That's fine because it bucks the traditional trap game narrative that people get in love with. I understand. But I just, they didn't play well. You have games that you don't play well. I don't think they thought Michigan State stunk or they were going to run run over them. They didn't play well, and they had bad gaffes at bad times. Yeah. Uh, special teams, red zone. This is what it, and kind of tough luck on injuries. If you win this game, it's a special season for Illinois, relatively, right? Oh yeah. No matter what happens after this, um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you you beat Northwestern if you can beat Purdue, but it's a special season because you get to eight wins for the first time since the Rose Bowl season, right? You, you have a Big Ten winning season for the first time since the Rose Bowl season. You, you pretty much guarantee yourself going to Nashville or Florida, right, for for a bowl game. 
And you're one step away from clinching a Big Ten West title. And I think if they win this game, they will play in a Big Ten West title. That's why this game is, is so massive. So massive. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, man, it, it is. This is a huge, 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 huge game that we'll see. I mean, this you're right. This has all the special season. You've already played out of Detroit, right? Yeah. Which is good for those of us who don't want to spend Christmas in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, you, this I think that's that's the interesting thing. And, and I think Brad Bielma's communicated this. Everything is still there. Yep. Right? Like it, it's and that's not always been the case. It certainly hasn't been the case for other teams in the West after recent losses. All right, Joey. Yeah, last week was disappointing, right? Really disappointing, given everything that could have been in. You could have been top twelve college football playoff rankings. Continue to to rise in those things, but you still have a lot to play for. Wrote about that after the game. But what's your prediction? Like you don't have to give a score. Just, just what do you think? Yeah, I think they bounce back and win. I just think that they have answers for what Purdue does. Yeah, namely throwing the ball. That secondary is really good. I think it's going to be close. I don't think this is. I think ten points is probably too big of a spread. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I think there's going to be some metal shown to come back after that tough loss and put themselves in the driver's seat in the West. In, in the preseason, I predicted this to be a win, even though a lot of people at Purdue is a better team than Illinois. I love the matchup. I, I think we saw that last year. I, I think Illinois' defense matches up incredibly well. The problem is Illinois couldn't score points. I think they'll score points tomorrow. I, I think there's a really good matchup for Illinois. And I, I think Illinois would have played hard regardless. I, I think the, the hard part for Purdue now is you got a pissed-off team. you got a pissed-off Illinois team. I think that's going to bode well for Illinois. Like you said, it's close. I think this has a chance to to be a statement for Illinois. I really do. Really, they got to play clean though, right? Like can't right. turn it over. I just think they're the matchup wise. I think this is probably a better matchup than Michigan State because I just Michigan State had more answers, had a little bit more talent up front, uh, and they were they had the the circle of the wagons kind of thing, right? So I'm not going to project an, an Illinois 20 point win or anything, but. I just like how this matches up and I have for a really long time. And I just think Illinois should be pissed off coming into this game. They just have to control that emotion. But a home crowd, cold weather, windy, they could shell Illinois. And, how, many else, red, how many red zone touchdowns? Let's say hypothetically five trips. See, I, I feel like they could score some touchdowns not touching the red zone. Sure, sure. Okay, so let's say hypothetically, let's just take a trip, four trips. Uh, I think they get a couple touchdowns, a couple field goals. And that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But they you got to get, you got to get, I, I think you said the over under at one and a half. You've got to go over. I go over. Right? Yeah, yeah I go over. Yeah. yeah. I think they bounce back. It'll be fun. It's a big game. Big game at Morris Stadium. Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Take 10, 15 seconds. That really helps us out, guys. Also, give us a follow, like us on our YouTube channel. That really helps us as well. Been putting a lot of video content up there. And check out the latest on Illinois football and basketball in the busiest month of the year for content. Go. 
We have loaded film rooms from Jay Lehman and Michael Tulip that make us so much football and basketball smarter. Smarter Recruiting information. Got some stuff on football coming up here very shortly that you'll want to see. So go VIP, just $1. And, of course, all the team stuff. Joey Wagner does a fantastic job covering the nuts and bolts of football. Derek Piper on the nuts and bolts of basketball. And, and Joey Wayne in there, too. So go check it all out at IlliniInquire.com. And go VIP your first month for just $1. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.